Experiencing grief and loss is inevitable and at times can feel unbearable. Through her own personal experience of profound loss, our next guest has dedicated her life's work to supporting people to heal and transform through the process of grief. Wendy Blackstern is the president of the Grief Support Network, whose mission, programs, and network of resources are inspired and informed by Wendy's personal experience of losing her son. In 2007, when Noah passed away, her grief propelled her into a process of profound transformation, which taught her to live with more joy and gratitude in her life. Join us for this candid and touching conversation to learn more about Wendy's vision of a culture that does not run from grief, but embraces it as an opportunity for growth and connection. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Well, after learning about your incredibly important work and the personal story behind it all, I knew your message needed to be shared with our community. And I'm looking forward to what is going to be a powerful conversation today and why you have dedicated your life's work to supporting people to heal and transform through the process of grief. But before we dive into your incredibly important work, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Wendy. It's almost time to learn how you are transforming how communities perceive, experience, and move through loss with a vision for our culture that does not run from grief, but embraces it as an opportunity for growth and connection. But first, I'm going to randomly select an ice-breaking question so we can get to know you personally, see what it comes up with. Ooh, we're going to talk some travel here, Wendy. I know we're locked down still with this pandemic, doing our part to socially distance and be safe during this time. But I know one thing out of my work inside of healthcare that I love to do, and it's travel. So the question for you is, what's your favorite place on earth and why? (laughs) That's a great question. I'm happy you chose that one because I love to travel. It really is a big part of my life. And when I was preparing for this, it was really hard to choose just one place. So I'm going to do my best here. I mean, there's like three places that maybe compete for my number one, but Bali, Indonesia is really at the top of my list and is actually very much a part of my story. But my experience there was absolutely life-changing. Everything from the culture and the land and the people, and it was just really one of the most special places I've ever been to on earth. And I always have to ask, how was the food? The food was great in Bali. It really was. I went to Thailand after that, and that was like a whole nother level of pleasure in terms of food. But I really liked the food there. It was kind of simple in some ways, and it had just the right amount of spice. And yeah, it was so rich in so many different ways. 
and I'd love to tell you more about my time there, but I have to name the other two places because I just need to like give this full picture. <laughs> I know when you teased it, I was going to ask it anyway. You teased us, drop them on us. What are the other two? Okay. Oh my God. And let me see if I can, and there might even be three. The other place that has actually captured my heart is Maui, Hawaii. And it's my happy place, I think. It's certainly not the most exotic travel that I've done, but it is just the place where I feel so free. Kihei or Kanapali side? I would say a little bit of both. Yeah. I love the North Shore. So Paia is like very much the vibe where I love to be and spend time. But I've been teaching retreats on the Kihei side at a beautiful spot right on the border of Kihei and Wailea. And the beaches there are just so gorgeous and the weather is so beautiful that I got to say both. I'd have to say both. I love it. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say the third place in, at least in the United States that I'm so in love with is Zion on national park, Zion in Utah. And I was there on my birthday, actually this year in September after not having been there in God over 20 years and it's just one of those places where I feel God. And that's not even language I usually use in terms of like, it's not how I often think about spirituality, but it's the only words I have for it. It's the place I just feel absolutely the presence and connection with something greater. So that would be the third place. And then I'll also add my time in Portugal, Spain, and Morocco kind of all together were also absolutely life-changing. So very hard to narrow it down to one place. This world has a lot of very special places to visit. And I've been fortunate to have had a chance to experience so many of them. Well, I've been fortunate as well. Like I said, outside of working and moving the healthcare industry forward, one of my big passions is travel. And I've been to all of those places minus mm -hmm. Portugal. And I got to tell you, Thailand, the food was just unbelievable. So yes, it yeah. is hard to always nail it down to just one spot. That's for sure. But so thank you for sharing that, Wendy. I do appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to sharing your inspiring journey, mission, and message with our community after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. This episode of Passion of Pioneers is brought to you by Augmetics, ambient medical documentation and live clinical support. Did you know that nearly 75% of clinicians surveyed in a recent study say they spend over 10 hours per week on paperwork and medical notes? But clinicians who've adopted Augmetics are spending less time writing notes and more time providing superior care to their patients. Augmetics is a leading provider of remote medical documentation, using remote AI-assisted live scribes to observe, listen, and capture relevant details from natural conversation for over 35 specialties. Augmetics provides real-time support that includes orders, referrals, and reminders to deliver accurate, complete, and timely medical notes. Augmetics brings back the joy of practicing medicine. To learn more and to bring the Augmetics joy to your practice, visit augmetics.com slash passionate pioneers or click on the link at the top of the episode notes. All right, we are back with Wendy Blackstern and we are in store for a very powerful and transformative discussion. Well, Wendy, thank you again for being with us today and I look forward to our community hearing your story. Can you take us back a bit of how the Grief Support Network even started? And I think it was a bit unintentional because of a very personal story and dynamic in your own life. But can you share with us a bit how this all came to be? Yes, thank you, Mike. I can. And thank you for giving me this space to tell my story. It's always a little difficult to actually say where it began, right? Because 
so much of who I am and how I've kind of navigated my life journey is so rooted in the way I was raised with just so much love and connection. So I think it actually starts there. What really has really changed my life was a very unexpected loss about 11 years ago of my first child. My son Noah died when he was nine months old, very unexpectedly in my arms. And it was one of those experiences that just completely shattered my husband and I. We got together young in college, so we had had a lot of life together under our belt, but this completely took the rug from beneath us. And I think for the first time in life, I found myself in very much uncharted territory. I will share that my family has a history of other losses, so I wasn't new to the realm of loss. I lost my sister when I was a baby. She passed away when she was four years old and I was just an infant. And there's actually a lineage in my family where my grandmother or great-grandmother lost her first child. So my family has been through loss, but up until I lost Noah, my life had felt fairly charmed. So I'd kind of witnessed it and been a part of it, but it had never happened so deeply and personally to me. And when it happened, you know, my husband and I, we were shocked. We didn't really know what to do, but we did feel the love and support of our family and our community of friends kind of rallying around us. And as we were kind of held in that, within the first few days, it became clear that we were loved and supported here, but there was something we needed that we couldn't get where we were. And at the time we were living in the mountains west of Boulder, Colorado in Rollinsville. And it was actually my husband who's not really the seeker among us. That's a little bit more me, but it was him who said, we need to go to Southeast Asia and experience and, and find something, find a culture, find something that can help us make sense of this and deal with this because it felt really difficult to do it where we were. And it wasn't that people didn't show up. Everybody showed up, but nobody knew how to talk to us. No one knew how to be with us. And it was really difficult to navigate our own emotions and feelings as we were with our community who was also grieving the loss of our child who was a part of the community. So on the day of Noah's funeral, actually, my husband and I were like went away. His name is Brian. Uh, Brian and I went to just get some like retreat space in our own home, which was filled with people. And we had a moment that kind of defined in some sense the rest of my life where, you know, we we're sitting on like the floor of our bathroom just to have some privacy. And we looked each other in the eyes and decided in that moment that we were going to make something out of this horrible thing that had happened and that we had lost the most precious thing in the world. And so in some sense, there was nothing less to lose. And there was a freedom that was kind of evoked in that moment, a freedom. and. It was Brian who said, let's go to Thailand. Let's go travel throughout Southeast Asia. Let's go to India. Let's go and find something to support us through this and to make us better, basically. And I had always wanted to go to Bali. So we put that on the list and we put together kind of an epic adventure. And we set off two weeks later to Bali. And maybe it's why when you ask me, what's your favorite place to travel? Like it has my heart in a way no other place ever will because I showed up there completely raw. I don't think I've ever felt that open and exposed in my life and kind of open to like the world. 
And in some sense, there was nothing left to be afraid of because I had, we'd kind of lost it all. So there was a sense of freedom, even within kind of the shock and the, the intense grief that we were feeling. But, you know, we put our backpacks on and we set off for like a six month adventure to go to Bali, Indonesia, Thailand, and then Cambodia, Vietnam, and India. But as spirit can kind of help things move, we had a bit of a miracle happen in our second week in Bali. And that is that I conceived my next child. I got pregnant with my daughter, Hannah. And this wasn't totally out of nowhere. We prayed for her in every temple we visited, but that happened and it completely changed the course of our travels. So we did go on to Thailand and we found out we were pregnant there on the shores of Koh Samui and decided after a month of travel there that it was time to come home. But that trip we took, that experience in Southeast Asia absolutely changed my life. And what it did for me, for us, I'll say, is it showed us that there are other ways to deal with loss than what we were experiencing here in the U.S. And, you know, we did study meditation. We did get to experience some rituals. There was all of that. But what was even more important and most apparent was the way people related to us. Uh, People there were not afraid of loss, of death, of our grief. They leaned in towards us. They wanted to hear our story. They wanted to hear about Noah. And they weren't afraid. They saw death as a part of life there. And it took away some of the fear and the stigma. And it allowed them to be so open with us. And that is actually where our healing really began. Because we could talk about these feelings in a way we were really received. Wow. If you don't mind, Wendy, I'd love to ask a couple of questions there because that is a powerful, powerful story. And thank you for sharing that. First, before heading over there, it sounded like Brian was the one that pulled both of you towards Southeast Asia. Was there a reason for that area of the world? Is there anything to learn from there as to why he said, let's go to Bali, let's go to Thailand? Was there any reasoning around that? Not that he was really naming at the time, but I think for both of us, we knew that there was like a very like spiritual thing happening here in this loss that we weren't going to find the answers in like the material world, if I could say it that way. And I'm the one who was kind of the yogi in the family and, you know, was kind of checking out Hinduism and Buddhism and all this stuff. And that wasn't really where he was coming from, but he got cracked open too. And I think there was just a deeper knowing that the pathway through this was going to need to come from some sort of spiritual practice and a different approach to life than kind of what the messages we were getting here in our Western culture. Well, and to affirm what you just shared, Wendy, I was very fortunate in 2019 to take about a five-week sabbatical to Southeast Asia, and I can affirm everything that you just shared the culture so different, the people, how they Mm -hmm. approach you, the interactions, just the energy. It was just, I will never, ever forget that time that I had, you know, the opportunity to spend in Vietnam and Thailand and Laos. It was just powerful. So I know exactly that kind of sentiment that you shared. Let me ask one more question because I'm very interested in it. I mean, what a bold decision, extreme loss. And you said, let's go somewhere else. Let's leave it all behind. What was Mm -hmm. it like? boarding that plane to head to Southeast Asia? (laughs) Wow. I actually have all this emotion just even thinking about it. It was like we were leaving and in like in some 
way. I was like, I don't even know if I'm ever coming back. It was like stepping into the unknown, but it was so welcomed. And I have this image forever in my brain of the two of us, like walking through the airport, holding hands with these big backpacks on. We were going off on a backpacking adventure and we looked at each other and I felt free is the only way I can say it. There was undertones of fear and uncertainty because we didn't even know where we were staying. We booked no itinerary. We had some flights scheduled and that was it. And I felt free. Wow. And by the way, you are definitely my style of traveler as well. I love an unplanned trip. So kudos to that. But what a powerful vision to think about that. Heading on that plane, no agenda, felt free. And so while you and Brian were down there, Wendy, like you mentioned, you received this amazing gift with your daughter and being able to conceive her down there. And then you cut the trip short. Did the grief support network start coming into focus while down there? Was it still something that was unformed? Start taking us I mean, into the maturation of the grief support network. Sure. I mean, I'll fast forward because no, it was nowhere in my thinking at that time. I was just purely experiencing. I was just very deep in my own process then. But if you fast forward a little bit, we came home and it was very difficult to reintegrate into our life back here, but we moved through it and we had our daughter, Hannah, and like life started again. And it was actually about a year and a half after she was born that I felt such a stirring to get back into the world and to do something with what had happened. And what I haven't shared yet is for about a decade before I had Noah, I had spent working as a Phoenix Rising yoga therapist, doing body-centered therapy with people and really witnessing the way that our emotions manifest so powerfully in our bodies. And I was doing this work both individually, one-on-one, as well as in kind of in groups, in these eight-week group process that I also learned through Phoenix Rising. And so I decided to run a group using these tools I had of yoga and meditation and group connection, and to do this for parents who had lost a child. And that group was way more powerful than I could have ever imagined. It was so healing for me as well as the eight participants who sat in that circle. And what I got to see was that these tools that I had kind of gathered were just, they just worked for grief. It was just such a fit and such a powerful way to help people move through all those deep feelings. And that to do so in community and connection was what I think is often the missing piece in grief work, that we need each other. We need reflection. So I ran this group. And that is what became the seed form of the grief support network. Because what happened in this group was not only were people going through their own grief process and moving things and connecting with themselves, but they were also asking for resources. And I found that I had this incredible network in the healing community here in Boulder, Colorado, where I just knew all these amazing people. So I started matchmaking people to a great therapist or a great body worker or an acupuncturist or an intuitive healer. And that is actually how this Grief Support Network began. I birthed the organization as a referral network, essentially, where we created a network of 50 holistic healthcare practitioners who would all kind of come together and create kind of these care teams for people after they've been through a loss. And the vision I had in the beginning was I want to take people's hand and walk them through the process, help them figure out what they need help them figure out where to find it, and then help them pay for it, which is why I became a nonprofit. Because I realized through my own experience that when grief happens, life falls apart as well as finances. So this financial piece of helping people have the resources they need to do their healing work felt really important. So that is where we began. And I actually launched GSN in 2012 
when I was pregnant, pretty close to giving birth to my second daughter, Layla, a few years later. So it's all really kind of timed in with so much of my own personal journey. But that is where the organization began as a referral network. And it was beautiful to bring all these amazing people together. But what I noticed very quickly is that we were outsourcing people. And what the intention was, was to create connection. And that I was kind of thinking about that group that I had run. And what I realized after about a year is that we actually needed programming to bring people together into a community, not just send them out for individual support. So that is when we launched our yoga therapy program, which is really what the Grief Support Network has become, is kind of this integrative, contemplative, body-centered way of grieving in community. And how has the reception been? Has it been more than people thought? Did it stretch people in ways they didn't imagine? Did they receive things and receive, you know, opportunity to connect in ways that they never even understood in the first place? What have been some of those findings and outcomes of bringing these people together during such a critical time? Yeah. What's so amazing about it is the program itself is like a living, breathing entity, and it's been informed by all the people who've experienced the process. So the program has evolved, I mean, over the last, since we launched in 2014. So since then, my goodness, it has evolved beyond what I could have ever imagined or created on my own because it's actually been informed by the people sitting in those circles and having encouraged courage to be vulnerable and to share of themselves and to witness each other. So yes, it's evolved beyond anything I could have possibly imagined. And it surpassed, I think, my expectations of creating connection because I didn't have anything like that. I'd never experienced anything like these circles, you know, in when I had been through my loss. So I was kind of figuring it out as I went along, really. But I did have this foundation. I just want to kind of sing the praises of Michael Lee and the whole Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy community. What he created and what he taught me gave me the infrastructure. It gave me the foundation for which to kind of create this grief-focused, body-centered process. And that is what it is. It's a process that we take through. It's really a journey that is about grief, but it's even more than that. It's about personal growth. And it offers kind of a pathway for grief to be a catalyst for that personal growth and change to happen. And it offers really a guide to support people through it which also gives them so much space and freedom and support to have their own personal journey that is unique to them. And can you share a grief is a big word, right? And and people experiencing grief, you know, that is a very heavy and big discussion point for a lot of people because it manifests itself in so many different ways. What does this look like for grief support network? Is it people that have experienced loss with family, loved ones, whatever that might be, can you maybe frame up a bit? What is the people that you're serving, what type of grief are they experiencing? Or is it across the board? Maybe frame that up a bit. Yeah. I mean, we took a stand on this very early on that we are here to support people through all kinds of grief and loss. And so part of our mission is to speak to the unacknowledged grief that is so often felt, but not named and not actually acknowledged or validated as grief. So yes, we support people with the loss of a loved one, whether that be a person or a pet or anyone they love. But we also work a lot with folks who are going through the loss of a relationship, whether it be separation or divorce or the loss of a job or the loss of your identity as you knew it. A lot of folks come to work out childhood trauma 
the loss of innocence or kind of working out parts of themselves that didn't get seen when they were young that need to be claimed now. And now, of course, with this pandemic, the word grief has blown up even more. So we're supporting people who are grieving the loss of their life, who are in isolation, who don't have the freedom to connect in the ways that they want. And I would also add to this that grief opens us to grief. So many people come in the door to heal something that's happened kind of recently and a very is often the loss of a person. But what they end up really uncovering and kind of unearthing within themselves are old losses, old grief. They never had a chance to be moved through their body and, and to come out. So it becomes kind of layered and complicated, but it's all here to be supported and healed. So long-winded answer to all kinds of grief and loss. We're here to support. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's important to understand what does that mean? Because it sounds like, you know, this world of grief can manifest in so many ways. And for our community to learn from you, that's very important. So thank you for sharing that, Wendy. And let's talk a little future state as well, but let me frame it up first. I think it's important to frame it up in regards to, you just mentioned it, the pandemic. And why do I want to frame it up a little bit in that lens to think future state? Let's just call it out. The pandemic has truly fundamentally altered society, culture, the way we live, the way we work, mm-hmm. right? How we engage with others. But I also think that there's, and I've talked about this on a number of previous episodes, this notion of, I believe, will be several phoenixes that will rise from the COVID-19 ashes. I mean, we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, let's just look at innovation. You know, telehealth has exploded. Look how fast we're able to create vaccines for the pandemic. But then also, I think this notion of mental health and well-being I believe can be one of the phoenixes that rise out of that. And what do I mean by that? In regards to how we think about it, how we talk about it, to shed the stereotypes and shed the misconceptions of speaking openly, proudly, and honestly about mental health and well-being, which, you know, part of that can be grief. So where do you see things heading in this realm, in this world of your work in regards to grief, the grief support network, where things are heading? How do we talk about it? Do you see a positive future for this world for us to really, you know, dig into the very serious and needed conversations around grief? What does the future look like with you, your work, and this whole notion around grief? Mm, Wow, what a big, uh, powerful question. I am an eternal optimist. I have certainly had my own struggles in this pandemic, both personally as well as kind of what I witnessed professionally. And what I see within it is just, an incredible amount of resilience and light and actually love that is spreading. So I think that there's this opportunity here for the pandemic to be the great illuminator. So it is unearthing for us or dismantling even so many old paradigms and outdated ways of being in the world, being both as individuals, but also culturally. And then I would even say globally, and it's giving us this opportunity in a sense, to look at it all with new eyes, you know, light is being shined into the darker places so that we can learn from it and we can move forward from it. And in terms of kind of my piece of this, you know, what I really feel that what I'm here to do and what the Grief Spur Network Cares do is to hold these safe spaces for people to learn how to talk about what they're feeling to use their body as a resource because grief lives so much in our bodies, 
So to help us learn how to be connected and to speak from our whole being, to share our feelings, to learn to be vulnerable and to also listen to each other. There's so much power in being witnessed in your authentic experience, which is really kind of the cornerstone of all of GSN's programmings. And within that, we learn from each other. We become a learning community. And I think that this kind of model, when I think about, you know, just a GS, this GSN program in and of itself, of how we come together in a circle to listen to each other, to witness each other, to learn from each other. I think that this is kind of a microcosm of what our world is being asked to do. We're being challenged to accept differences of opinions and beliefs. We're being called on to look at the blind spots, to look at the darker places where, you know, everything from these conversations around social inequality and all the big issues that have been kicked up, right? Grief is really at the root of most of our suffering and dysfunction and even I'd even say mental health challenges. So if we're willing to talk about our feelings, to listen to each other, to learn from each other, and to actually go in and to touch those places in ourselves that are hurting and that have never properly been seen and heard and to bring that forward, then we're talking about a whole new way of engaging together as human beings and a whole new level of connection that's really possible. So I see this as a tremendous opportunity and it's almost like a bigger version of what I felt when Noah died. And there's a lot of parallels to this pandemic and to losing someone. And I see it as an incredible opportunity that has the power to change every single one of us and to help us become a better version of ourselves, more in alignment with our truth. I couldn't agree more. And so well Mm -hmm. said, Wendy. And thank you for sharing that because count me in your camp. I am right there with you. Mm -hmm. I'm also an internal optimist. I know we're going through some very, very difficult times around the world. I mean, this Mm -hmm. pandemic has laid bare to so many societal and structural issues. It's just been brutal. But I also believe there is great opportunity ahead to think anew and Mm -hmm. really take and shine light into those dark corners that you mentioned. So I'm in your camp. And and so, again, thank you for sharing that. And let's now flip the script a little bit on you, Wendy. You've guided us and, and shared with us some incredible work that you are doing, you and your team, and all of the wonderful work you've brought to so many. But it's now our turn to help you. What's one problem, need, or question that you currently have that our community can be contemplating or helping you with? Well, there's a couple of important places that Grief Spread Network is taking a stand and really changing our own paradigm. So I want to just name that first, and then I'll answer the question because it's connected. We decided to make a very bold move. It actually starts right here at the new year. And we are taking a leap of faith, and we are shifting our model of care to offer all of our programming for free. In the past, we had some services that were free and some that we had a fees for service. And this pandemic made it very clear that getting grief support should not be a privilege, but a right for anyone and everyone in need of support. We are taking a leap of faith, and we are changing our model as of January 1st so that everyone, anyone can come in. We're removing the barriers to have access to care. And I have to say, this is one of my proudest moments in Grief Support Network. I want to name Sarah Brown, who is GSN's new executive director or current executive director, who has played a big role in kind of nudging this forward because she's got this enormous heart and she just cares so much. 
and we're doing it. And this is changing a lot of things. And now we are really relying on fundraising dollars, on donors who care, on organizations who want to partner with us to really guide this forward. And as a part of that, we are also working hard to train teachers who aren't just here in Boulder, Colorado. And this is, again, one of those beautiful gifts of the pandemic. We put all of our programming online and now we're offering our programs all around the country and honestly, in many parts of the world. So I'm running a current teacher training, for example, with 26 people and we have people from five different countries participating. So everything has changed. And as a part of our mission, we have decided to take a stand on diversity. So bringing this work into underserved communities and to train the teachers who are connected in those communities and who speak their language and and where it's really a fit. And so one of the ways that this community could support Grief Sport Network and me in this next kind of phase of things is really through raising money for scholarship so that we can offer it to teachers who have the passion, who have the skill, who have the desire to be change agents, to come into their communities and to create that spark, to create this powerful change that we know is possible. So that is something that we are reaching out for. We are always looking for wonderful teachers who want to come in and connect and be a part of this through our training school. But we are also looking for people who want to support that and who want to make it possible financially. Well, a couple things there, Wendy. One, congratulations. What a stance you and the team are taking and that leap of faith. Wow, that is so inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. So, of course, we definitely want to get the community rallied around you. We have some of our nation's leaders listening in on this podcast, and I know many stand at the ready to help, but we need to know where we'll be able to find you to be able to get involved. So where can we find you online, social media, points of contact, websites, or otherwise? Where can we find you online, Wendy? Great. Well, the first place to start is to go to the Grief Support Network's website at griefsupportnet.org. You can also connect with me personally. Uh, email is often the best way to reach me at wendy at griefsupportnet.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Grief Support Net, as well as Instagram, I believe. So yeah, lots of places to connect. I will also have a new website coming out soon, and all of that will be available through the Grief Support Network's website as well. And this will speak directly towards really the training school and ways for people to get involved on that level. If you're a teacher and you want to learn to teach this work, that's certainly going to be something to look for in the next few months. Excellent. We'll have all those points of contact in the episode notes as well. So in your favorite podcast player that you're listening in on this podcast, simply scroll down into the episode notes and click on through to any of those points of contact that Wendy listed. Also, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be an episode post for this podcast episode with all of those contact points listed as well. Again, passionatepioneers.com. Well, thank you for that, Wendy, and looking forward to getting our community involved on this next big phase and journey of the Grief Support Network. So thank you for sharing that. And as we come to a close, we have one of my favorite sections. It's a fill in the blank, and it's the following. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Because I care so deeply about letting my light shine into the world to spark the light within every living being.
to create connection in a way that is authentic. And that is true. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what a powerful story today and a powerful journey that you shared with our community, Wendy, and speaking your truth and bringing that authentic story to all of us. So thank you for that. We continue to rally around you and the Grief Support Network and all the incredibly important work you and the team are moving forward for so many of us now around the world. But for now, Wendy, thank you for taking time to be with us today. We appreciate you. We look forward to continuing to rally you and the team on. But for now, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor, Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.